Come in. Come in. Raccoon City Dispatch. This is Officer Miles. Calling all officers. Multiple reports of unusual assaults. Groups are attacking, fighting. Hannibal's. Riots in the streets. Send the SWAT. Send the riot squad. Fuck it. Send everyone. They're everywhere. Listeners, thank you for being here to greet me as I make my grand entrance back to Video Game Mythos for the new year. 2019 has already been very kind to me, and in return, I'll be passing on that kindness to you. How, you might ask? Well, in the form of the only thing I've ever been good at. And even then, it's questionable. More podcasts. Here in 13 Palm Trees World, we eat, sleep, and breathe podcasts, and we do it all for you because we love you. We have Wasted Local Talent, which focuses on local artists, artisans, and businesses here in the great state of West Virginia. For you video game fans, which if you're listening, I bet you are, we have Gurus of Gaming, where Roger and his gurus break down video game news and what's hot in gaming, other than Fortnite. And last, but certainly not least, is D&D Kinda. Now, D&D Kinda is the show that started it all. In this show, myself, Ryan and three of our friends play a custom-crafted D&D story made by yours truly. Even if you aren't into Dungeons & Dragons, there's no better time than the present. It wasn't Dungeons & Dragons that got me into D&D podcasting. It was a D&D podcasting that got me into D&D. Give it a try, and all the shows on our network, because each and every one of us work very hard to bring you those shows to you. And we thank you for all the support and kind words we have received thus far. Now, as far as Video Game Mythos is concerned, Ryan and I are very excited for this year because we are wanting to try some new things, switch up the show dynamic, do some collaborations, bring on some guests, all kinds of stuff. We have lots of ideas, but we need your help. The show is about you. Yes, you. Listening. I know this seems generic, but I really want you to imagine me next to you, talking to you. I want you to give us ideas. What do you want to see done? What would you like to see reviewed? Let us know. You can send myself or Ryan an email at Michael or Ryan at 13palmtrees.com, all spelled out. You can also check out our social medias. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash video game mythos or on Twitter at the handle VG Mythos. Come hang out with us because I'm lonely and even Ryan doesn't want to be my friend. Anyways, let's back away from my dark, depressing life and track behind one of gaming's most iconic survival horror rock stars, Capcom's very own Leon Kennedy. The 21-year-old fresh graduate and new hire of the Raccoon City Police Department, Leon Scott Kennedy, pushes himself out of bed just far enough to smack his alarm. Hung over as hell, he could smell the alcohol. Looks like his whiskey bottle spilled in the bed beside him. He didn't care. It was just a shitty motel anyway. 
although it seemed a waste. He drank all that whiskey just to get the thought of his recent breakup out of his head. And now it was worse than before. And he just felt like crap. He sat up on the end of the bed, rubbed his temples trying to soothe the pain, and then it hit him. Today is a starting day with the Raccoon City Police Department. Leon rushed to get his things together, slammed the motel door behind him, as well as the last chapter of his normal life. He had no idea what he left behind in that motel room. His jeep peels out of the parking lot and immediately he is attempting to call the police station again and again with no answer. What was going on? Leon sped into the backwards of the city, passing a multitude of cars driving wildly fast past him in the opposite direction. But he really didn't give it any thought. His only concern was not getting fired on his first day. It was nighttime by the time Leon arrived in Raccoon City. He was wearing his full police outfit, all ready for the tongue lashing he was going to receive from his chief. As he drove through the suspiciously empty streets of Raccoon City, he noticed a poetically appropriate murder of crows in the streets blocking his path. The jeep came to a screeching halt, and as he climbed out of the vehicle, he noticed the body of a woman on the ground, previously mutilated by the crows. Across town, there's a truck driver screaming from the cabin of his truck, and as he does, the door flies open, and a body flies onto the ground. He then takes off in his truck, writhing in pain, and says something about the guy biting him. Back to Leon. As he examined the body on the ground, people began to appear from the buildings behind him, approaching him. Leon pulled his weapon as their approach was rapid and not friendly at all. They seemed off, walking strangely with glazed over eyes and blood spattered across their faces. Leon told them to back off, but they just moaned and approached all the faster. As Leon stood, hoping to not have to fire his weapon, the dead woman on the ground came back to life and attacked his ankle. Leon reacted, pointed his gun, and shot her in the head. He began to fire at the people approaching him, but regardless of how many times he shot, they didn't slow down. He backed into the alleyway behind him, attempting to escape, but as he did, he heard a noise. He turned, prepared to fire, but there was someone standing behind him. Standing behind him, she yelled, Wait! Don't shoot! As she ducked under his gun, and Leon fired his weapon, exploding the head of someone behind her. He extended his hand and helped the pretty redhead named Claire Redfield off the ground and offered to lead her to the police station, where he insisted they would be safer. As they went into the street, they became surrounded by people who were acting very strange and jumped in the closest police car and took off downtown towards the station. Moments later, after fetching the gun from the glove box, Claire and Leon introduced themselves. Suddenly, from the back seat, someone attacked Leon, causing him to lose control of the car. The car spun out of control, slammed into a traffic pole, causing the man in the back to be ejected and fly out of his seat through the front window. As Claire and Leon recollected their bearings, they noticed something approaching from the rearview mirror. It's the massive truck speeding towards them. They both jump out of the car from opposite sides quickly, narrowly escaping the truck killing them as it smashed into the car. And this is only where Leon's journey begins. We all know from playing Resident Evil 1 and the oversaturation of zombies in pop culture that Leon is up against the undead. But let's be real, when Leon made his series debut in Resident Evil 2, zombies were still cool. 
And we can all thank Andrew Lincoln and The Walking Dead for making them super lame. In Resident Evil 2, Leon immediately discovers that most of the police force has been killed by the zombie outbreak. And then things just get wild from there. Leon and Claire both begin to discover something deep beneath the surface. The Raccoon City Police Chief, Brian Irons, begins receiving bribes from Dr. William Birkin to keep Umbrella's biological weapons research in the area a secret. Irons was later killed by the G-Virus he had helped Birkin protect, but not before revealing that the destruction of the brain was the only way to end the infected, to Claire. During his time in Resident Evil 2, Leon met another series regular, Ada Wong, who poses a woman who was looking for a boyfriend during the outbreak in Raccoon City. They developed quite the strong bond over the course of Resident Evil 2, seeing as Leon even took a bullet for Ada, fired by Annette Birkin, the wife of William Birkin, the virologist who worked with Umbrella Pharmaceuticals, the company responsible for the zombie outbreak, and the man who bribed Chief Irons to help cover up this entire thing. Annette Birkins tells Leon that Ada is actually a spy and is only here to steal the G-Virus. However, Leon didn't believe this until Ada told him herself. Sometime later, Ada saved Leon's life when he was cornered by T-00. She shot the tyrant on its back to get its attention, successfully doing so. She was then attacked, grabbed and raised up by the tyrant, in which she then retaliated by shooting three gunshots into its face making that tyrant fall into an iron smelting pit. Being seriously wounded in the process, Ada told Leon the truth about everything. Before she fell unconscious, which Leon mistook her for dying, the two kissed. Near the end of the game, Ada makes a triumphant return, throwing Leon a rocket launcher, helping him defeat the now-mutated T's double zero. Leon and Claire are now reunited, and Claire leaves to help her brother, who she discovered was in Europe and not in Raccoon City the initial reason for her being there. Following the events of Raccoon City, Leon and Sherry, the rescued daughter of William and Annette Birkin, were apprehended by the U.S. government and interrogated. Not mentioning either Claire or Ada, the government eventually recruited Leon to be a special operative, now that he had knowledge of Umbrella and some of their operations. They put him through extensive training, and thus he became more competent in the terms of weapon handling and unarmed combat, specifically knife combat. In 2002, before the destruction of the Russian branch of Umbrella, Leon was sent to a small South American country as a part of the secret military detachment after the headquarters were informed that a former researcher from Umbrella contacted a man named Javier Hildago. Due to the difficult nature of the operation, Jack Krauser, a seasoned operative with a history of brave service, was selected to be Leon's partner. Krauser and Leon were sent on a mission by the U.S. government to infiltrate this small South American country after there was suspicion that a former Umbrella researcher had entered the region and was working there secretly. Unwilling to risk a biohazardous outbreak, a secret military agency paired Leon and Krauser and sent them into this violent region to determine what, if anything, was going on. They later found themselves having to cooperate as a two-man cell in a T-virus outbreak, while exploring Javier's compound, Leon opened up to Krauser about his hellish night in Raccoon City, as well as Claire's encounter with the T-Virus to explain how Umbrella's B.O.W.s worked. Eventually, Leon and Krauser fought Javier after the crime lord combined himself with a plant infected with the T-Virus. Manuela, a character found in the game, assisted them by unleashing the effects of the virus on her father, Javier. 
Javier was then killed, and Manuela was taken into government custody. Leon lost his partnership with Krauser after he was discharged from duty due to an injury he suffered during that mission. Sometime later that year, Leon learned that his former partner, Krauser, died in an accident. Two years later, Leon was hired by the President of the United States to be his family's personal bodyguard. As luck would have it, shortly after he started, the President's daughter, Ashley, was kidnapped and taken to a location somewhere in Spain. Naturally, it was his job to bring her home safe. During his trip, he discovered that the perpetrators were a group called the Los Illuminados, which is Spanish for the enlightened, or more poetically, the Illuminati, which is a religious cult led by Osmond Sadler. His cult used a mysterious parasitic organism known as the Plagas, Spanish for the plagues, to take control of local townsfolk, as well as many others in the surrounding area. Leon was infected with the Plagas virus and kills his one-eyed infector, Vitores Mendez, after he thinks he can control Leon with it. Leon was also surprised to see the return of Ada Wong, who was in Spain for her own reasons, but she doesn't leave before providing Leon with some assistance. Leon eventually rescues Ashley, who is locked up inside of a Los Illuminados church, and they shortly thereafter learn about the virus inside of them, growing slowly. Ashley is then kidnapped again, and after Leon makes his way through a medieval castle, a research facility, and a wild island, Leon is then confronted by the thought-to-be-dead Krauser, who was working as a double agent for Sadler and the evasive Albert Wesker. Ultimately, after a long battle, Leon watches the mutated Krauser explode atop the ruins of the battleground. Afterwards, Leon confronts Sadler, with the help of yet another rocket launcher from Ada, like, seriously, where does she get these things? Sadler is defeated, and Leon gets home safely with Ashley, not before turning her down for a date and asking his operative guide, Hunnigan, for a date himself. Eight years passed, and after the death of the bioterrorist, Albert Wesker, surprise, he was killed by a rocket launcher at the end of Resident Evil 5 by the boulder-punching macho man, Chris Redfield, Albert Wesker's son, Jake Muller, flees local authorities during a bioterrorist attack. He partners with the Division of Security Operations agent and Raccoon City survivor Sherry Birkin and learns that she is to extract him from the country to create a vaccine for the new C-virus. However, they are hunted by the Ustanak, a hulking bioweapon. Meanwhile, a Bioterrorism Security Assessment Alliance, or the BSAA, strike team led by Chris Redfield and Pierre Nivans is deployed to combat the infected local populace. However, they are attacked by the leader of the Neo Umbrella, who refers to herself as Ada Wong. She kills most of the BSAA members using a device that injects them with the C-Virus, turning them into monsters, all except Chris and Pierre. Chris goes into a self-imposed exile, afflicted with post-traumatic amnesia. Meanwhile, Sherry and Jake's extraction from Edonia by the BSAA is sabotaged, forcing them to crash into the mountains. They are captured by Ada for six months. On June 29th of 2013, U.S. President Adam Benford attempts to publicly reveal the truth about the 1998 Raccoon City incident and the government's dealings with Umbrella to end the further bioterrorist activity. However, the venue was hit by another attack, infecting the president. The sole survivors of the attack 
the DSO agent and Raccoon City survivor Leon Kennedy, and the U.S. Secret Service agent Helena Harper are forced to kill him. The pair encounter the real Ada Wong, and Leon learns that National Security Advisor Derek Simmons is affiliated with the Neo Umbrella and was responsible for the attack. Leon and Helena pursue Simmons into Langshan, China, while faking their deaths. Meanwhile, Jake and Sherry escape captivity in Langshan. Chris returns to duty in the BSAA with Pierre and a new team, arriving in a besieged Langshan. Chris recovers from his amnesia and seeks revenge against Ada, resulting in casualties from his squad. Resulting in casualties for his squad, Chris and Pierre confront Ada until Leon intervenes. After being informed by Leon, Chris and Pierre pursue the fake Ada to an aircraft carrier, destroying the cruise missiles laden with the C-Virus. Leon, Helena, Sherry, and Jake confront Simmons over his involvement with the outbreaks, where Sherry covertly hands Jake's medical data to Leon in case of their captivity. Leon and Helena quarter Simmons, who has been infected by a Javo, where he confesses to have killed the president to maintain national security. The two see off a mutated Simmons while Sherry and Jake are captured again. Attempting to leave the city, Leon and Helena are warned by Chris that a missile has been launched, but they are too late to stop it. Leon discloses Jake's real identity to Chris and has him rescue Jake and Sherry from a remote oil platform. With Ada's assistance, Leon and Helena kill Simmons. On the oil platform, Chris and Pierre head underground, freeing Jake and Sherry from captivity before preventing a large-scale attack by a gigantic bioweapon, Chaos. Heavily wounded and in a desperate attempt to save Chris, Pierre injects himself with the C-Virus to help turn the tide of the battle. He defeats Chaos before evacuating. Aware that the mutation will worsen, Pierre sacrifices himself by pushing Chris into an escape pod, using his abilities to destroy the base. Meanwhile, Jake and Sherry escape the facility and kill Ustanak as they ride a rocket-powered lift to the surface. The imposter Ada was a scientist named Carla Romitas who was forced to transform into Ada by Simmons. The real Ada was aiding Leon and Sherry while destroying the Neo Umbrella Lab in Langshang. Although presumed dead after being shot by one of Simmons' soldiers, Carla attempts a final attack against Ada after having injected herself with a powerful dose of the C-Virus, but is killed. After aiding Leon and Helena in their battle with Simmons, Ada destroys the lab where her clone was developed and accepts a new assignment. Leon and Helena are cleared for duty. Chris remains with the BSAA in command of a new squad, overcoming his guilt. Sherry continues her duty as a DSO agent, and Jake starts a new life fighting zombies in an underdeveloped country with his real identity covered up by the BSAA. This then leads into the events of Resident Evil 7, but here, our heroes are nowhere in sight, especially not Leon. Umbrella once again rears its ugly head, and you even get to hear the name Redfield, but no Leon Kennedy. Don't worry though, Leon is reprising his role as the rookie RPD cop in the Resident Evil 2 remake coming January 25th, 2019. Leon has been through enough. Even with all that, fans still find a way to make him look like the bad guy. Some fans think that Leon is actually just a cold-blooded killer. It's one of the most dramatic scenes in the series. Ada Wong 
begs Leon Kennedy to let her go as she dangles off a bridge in Resident Evil 2. Then her hand slips. She falls into the void, leaving Leon distraught. This scene initially reads as a tragic end for a compelling anti-heroine, but Ada's criminal past and Leon's profession as a police officer put the two characters at odds. In fact, moments before she hangs from the bridge, she points her gun at Leon and threatens to kill him. Some players have theorized that instead of attempting to save her, Leon staged her death as an accident. It's entirely possible that Leon actually didn't help her on purpose, making him that cold-blooded killer they make him out to be. To support this theory, look at the beginning of Resident Evil 2. Leon doesn't fire a shot until the person, who is a zombie, but Leon doesn't know that, grabs his leg, and then without hesitation, he shoots her in the face. Again, moments later, he fires directly into the brain of another person. While these were zombies, Leon had no idea and showed no remorse leading up to the discovery of the infection. Brutal. Another fan theory suggests that in Resident Evil 4, Leon and the merchant are actually the same person, other than the voice actors being the same for both. After the Raccoon City incident, Leon went a little bit insane, which is perfectly understandable but he went completely off the deep end. When in Raccoon City, Leon was absolutely desperate to find any weapon or any ammo that could protect him from the zombies. So much so that when he went to Spain, he actually had all the weapons he could acquire from the merchant with him. But since he was insane, he imagined the merchant as a way to get more guns. Because he was so desperate for guns in Resident Evil 2, he couldn't accept the fact that he just was given a crap load at the start. So in short, Leon went insane and imagined the merchant completely, and that's why Ashley never mentions him, or notices him, because she doesn't see him. To her, Leon is just pulling another gun out of his pocket. Shout out to Nick Zambuto from the IGN message boards for that wild theory. A final theory that seems to make a lot of sense is that Leon is a closet alcoholic, and the game tries to mask this fact. We talked in the beginning about how Leon drank to cope with his mere breakup and pretty much overslept on the first day of his job. This already kind of hints that he uses alcohol as his coping mechanism. Sounds pretty silly, right? Well, there's more points to this. In Resident Evil 4, why would Leon invite Mike to grab some drinks before Mike's helicopter gets shot down by a Ganado wielding a rocket launcher? People can argue that this is a social thing, but it's quite peculiar. It's almost as if Leon does this constantly after missions. This says a lot already despite the implication being really small. Still think it's silly? Next evidence, the ending of Resident Evil Damnation. Heck, even throughout the whole movie, Leon carries a canister that probably contains an alcoholic drink. Even at the ending, where we get a glimpse of him after his mission is done, he drowns himself in alcohol while watching what has happened in the news. The fact that he does this during the daytime seems kinda suspicious. Some people cope with stress or traumatic events in various ways. Leon's choice just seems to be alcohol. So even though he may not have PTSD, even though he does drink a lot, he might just have PTSD, which seems pretty probable given what he's been through. I don't blame the guy either, considering the US government immediately and forcefully recruited Leon against his will, even using Sherry as a hostage. So if Leon seems much darker or grittier, then he probably has every right to be. But don't worry, Leon, in the end, Ada will swoop in and save you from your alcoholism, probably with a rocket launcher. <laughs>